Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome to Wicked, Weird, and Grim, your number one podcast for a trip through the history of the odd, haunting, and mystifying. I'm Caroline. And I'm Ara. Together, we're the Grim Sisters. Today is the start of us bumping up the spookiness of our episodes in preparation for Halloween and, you know, it being spooky season. Our favorite time of year. Our favorite time of year. (laughs) Our year-long holiday, honestly. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And for this topic, I don't know as much about it as Caroline does, who, you know, is our cryptozoological expert over here (laughs) and our disappearance, missing person true crime expert. I don't know what I contribute <laughs> to this podcast. You contribute all the folklore stuff that I've never even heard of or thought about. <laughs> <laughs> I contribute that in my fear and that's it. And your fear. <laughs> um, anyway, so Caroline is basically gonna, you know, drive us through this topic and I'm buckling up for the ride literally because today's episode is the Beast of Bray Road. Yes. <laughs> it's a wolfy. I know. <laughs> I like wolves. Wolves are really cool. Excuse me, ma'am. No furry behavior here. No, no, no. I mean real wolves. Like actual wolves. Actual wolves. I like actual wolves. Okay. So the first known sighting of the Beast of Bray Road was in 1936. There was this guy. His name was Mark Shackleman. And he was a night watchman for St. Coletta School for Exceptional Children, which was near Jefferson, Wisconsin. The school was formerly a Franciscan convent, and so the grounds have, like, tons of old buildings, they have an orchard, a bunch of, like, big, beautiful open fields, and they also have old Native American burial grounds. Wow, that that was quite the escalation. Yeah. (laughs) Big, beautiful buildings, orchards, big open fields, and then, of course... A graveyard. Yeah. Native American burial grounds. No big deal. So Shackleman was, you know, he's just a normal guy. He worked paycheck to paycheck as a night watchman just to support his family. It was a really boring job because this part of Wisconsin is very, very rural. It's very safe. There's not really a lot going on, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, in the middle of the night. His biggest concern was actually that some kids from the school might play a prank on him. So one night, Shackleman was crossing the fields as part of his nightly rounds when he saw a large shadow in the distance. And as he got closer, he realized the figure was hunched down on all fours, digging into one of the Native American burial mounds. At first, he thought it might have been an actual dog or a wolf, but even at a pretty far distance, this was a creature that was way too large to be either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the creature eventually notices him too. The creature looks right at him and then stands up. And this is when it became extremely clear that this is not a dog or a wolf. The creature was over six feet tall. It had a canine looking face, but a man like body. And Shackleman was naturally, you know, terrified. <laughs> it's like, myself. what the heck is this? <laughs> the creature abruptly just kind of like turns, runs into the woods, and Shackleton is just left standing there, just like, a, a, a what? Excuse me, sir? What Excuse are you? Me? What was that? What is going Excuse on me? Here? This is not what <laughs> I Please come back and explain yourself. <laughs> And the following night, he saw the creature again during his nightly rounds, and it was again digging into the burial mound. When the creature saw Shackleman and stood up, Shackleman this time noticed long, sharp fangs. The creature growled at him and then ran off into the woods again. Shackleman never saw the creature again, but the incident stayed with him for the rest of his life. And this was actually the first recorded sighting of what we now know and love to be the Beast of Bray Road. (laughs) 
So fast forward to the 1980s and sightings of this creature have become really prevalent throughout Michigan and Wisconsin. Someone sends a report of this weird, scary creature that walks on two legs like a human, but is covered in fur and resembles a wolf in the face to Linda Godfrey, who was a local newspaper reporter in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And she's immediately very intrigued by this report Mm -hmm. and she actually publishes it. And after this, Linda had tons of similar encounters that were reported to her. She kind of became the unofficial official Beast of Bray Road expert, yeah, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, and she still is to this day, yeah. And she believed that a lot of these sightings of this creature, you know, they weren't fake, they weren't made up, and they weren't being reported to her by people, you know, who were crazy. They were yeah. actual sightings. And she believed that these people really did see something. Maybe they'd mistaken a real wolf or a bear for some kind of werewolf thing, or maybe they saw a bear with mange. Maybe they really did see a creature that hasn't been discovered yet or some sort of supernatural being, but we really don't know. We really don't know. Neither does she. And, you know, that's a really cool thing about Linda is that, you know, a lot of these like cryptozoological experts, they try to put their own theories out there and try to explain what the creature is or, you know, figure it out and solve the mystery. But Linda doesn't really seem to be focused on that. She just seems to be pretty focused on reporting the encounters that people send her. And she has made it really clear that she doesn't know what this creature is, that we don't really have enough information on it Mm -hmm. to make those kind of guesses and conclusions. She doesn't know if it's a natural thing, if it's a supernatural thing. She doesn't know where this creature came from, why it's here, how it got to Wisconsin. But she just reports on the stories that come to her. And I think that actually is one of the reasons that she seems like a pretty credible person, Mm -hmm. you know? And she also wasn't someone who had a whole bunch of, like, interest in this sort of stuff prior to being sent that first sighting in the 1980s. Which is funny because now she's considered An one expert. of the foremost yeah. experts on modern monsters, I think. Yeah. Is. So yeah, <laughs> she definitely has earned a name for herself just by accurately relaying these stories. For sure. And so the reports Linda had collected over the years really resembled Mark Shackleman's original account, but they had a couple differences here and there. The creature has been repeatedly spotted near Bray Road in Jefferson, Wisconsin. And this is eventually what actually led to the creature being nicknamed the Beast of Bray Road. This stretch of road is primarily farmland and it's privately owned, but honestly this has not stopped people from trespassing in an attempt to see this creature. And according to Linda Godfrey's website, people have even stolen the Bray Road street sign enough that she had to put up a Mm -hmm. warning to be like, this is illegal and considered property theft. A lot of witnesses report seeing the creature late at night while they've been driving on rural back roads, kind of similar to the type of road that Bray Road is. A lot of times the creature will be seen eating or like carrying off roadkill. So it'll just be seen like in the middle of the road, like standing there, hanging out with some roadkill, eating on it, (laughs) holding it in its hands and running away, that kind of thing. Yeah, very fast food. More fast food references, but we're not talking about the Taco Bell Strangler. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Not this time. No, 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 no. This is a different kind of fast food. The creature is usually said to be holding the roadkill in its hands, kind of the way that, like, humans hold things in our hands, Mm -hmm. you know, so it seems to have, like, opposable thumbs, basically. Yeah. I guess is probably the way to describe that. Some drivers also report having seen the creature just kind of briefly as it sort of darts across the road in front of them. You know, most of us have probably seen deer do that, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a similar thing, but... Which is terrifying enough when a deer does it. I know! I can't imagine seeing some... Yeah, I feel like you would just be kind of like, oh, a deer. Oh, wait, that's not a deer. What was that? (laughs) Oh, a deer. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's a monster. (laughs) 
The creature is also seen a lot in like graveyards or Native American burial grounds. And it's usually seen like digging in those areas. And nobody really knows what it's digging for or why. That's so it's, interesting. It's very strange. But like that's what Mark Shackleman's original account was. Yeah. Was that this thing is like digging in this burial mound. So I wonder if, well, we'll talk more about indigenous origin stories of yeah. such creatures. But I wonder to some extent if it's looking for like, I don't know, maybe it's human body or... Oh, that's interesting. It's searching for something that yeah. will... Or maybe, I don't know, the individual who cursed him to Aww, live like that or... I feel sorry for him. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if I feel sorry for him yet. We still have the rest of the episode for me to decide whether I empathize with this creature or not. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Linda's accumulated probably thousands of reports over the years... She's written a long list of books retelling eyewitness accounts that have been sent to her and exploring the folklore of the region in general. And she's also linked the sightings in Wisconsin to similar sightings around the world. Of particular interest is the Dogman sightings in their neighboring Michigan. The Michigan Dogman is another creature that is really similar to the Beast of Bray Road. So similar, in fact, that a lot of people think they're the same thing. So a lot of times when you look up the Beast of Bray Road, you'll just get like a bunch of dogman sightings and stuff. It was kind of hard to like differentiate, actually, <laughs> or at least it was for me. The dogman was first witnessed in 1887 in Wexford County, Michigan, and it was described as being seven feet tall with stark eyes of either amber or blue. And it stands on two legs and has canine like features on their face, but the torso is more of like a man. It's rumored to have a howl that sounds really similar to, like, a human scream, which That's that terrifying. is terrifying That's to me. A, yeah. Absolutely terrifying. For some reason, legends state that the dogman appears every 10 years, but only on years ending in the number seven. So we good till 2027. I guess so. <laughs> if this is relieved. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of sightings. I feel like that's not true. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not, you know what I mean? Like, an accurate that's such, legend. Like, that's so folklore, though. Like, it is, yeah. Only in years ending in mm-hmm. seven or whatever. Well, I know that there's a lot of, like, is it the loop guru? Loop guru, yeah. Loop guru, yeah. That thing, I think it's supposed to be that, like, the 13th born son in a family okay. will automatically just be cursed to be this creature. And so it's Dang. a whole thing of, like, you don't want to have a 13th child yeah. because of that. I wouldn't want to have... But it reminds me of that kind of folklore. Many kids anyway. No, I wouldn't either. No. <laughs> it's oh, like, God. yeah, I'd, I'd probably draw Ugh. the line a good 13 kids ago. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I, I drew the line at one kid. Man. We're not having one kid. <laughs> that also reminds me of, I think, the origin of the Jersey Devil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it like a the seventh son or like the seventh child or... It might have been the third. It was either the seventh or the 13th. She had a yeah. bunch of kids, but she yells out like, oh, this one's going to be a devil or whatever. Yeah. Which, Whoops. Like, ma'am, why would you even say that? What why a mean you- thing to say. You're, you're not a good mom. <laughs> you literally you manifested your child to be a demon. Yeah. Like, like I hope he killed you because you deserve it. <laughs> I hope he got revenge on you. <laughs> he, like, he like came out of her womb and he was like... First kill, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Anyways, the dogman is seen all throughout Michigan, but it's more often seen in like the northwest area of the Lower Peninsula. And there's actually a song about it and its sightings, and it grew in popularity after a DJ recorded it and played it on the Michigan radio in 1987. But it essentially just details the most common traits of Mm -hmm. the creature and where it's most commonly seen or how it's seen. And... 
it's a bop like i looked it up and it's, it is it's, it's a bop <laughs> yeah <but laughs> it's, it's like a good you know late mm. 80s bop song so yeah <laughs> So werewolf-like creatures have existed throughout thousands of years of history, especially stemming from indigenous tales about nature spirits and skinwalkers. Ideas of animal-human hybrids have existed since the dawn of civilization as drawings on cave walls, pottery, and other areas or objects of daily existence. Really similar to werewolves or like dogmen is the tale of Anubis, the jackal-headed god of the afterlife in the ancient Egyptian religion. Earlier than this, there was also the Sumerian tale of Gilgamesh, which describes the king rejecting the goddess Ishtar, explaining what had befallen her past lovers by saying, you struck him and turned him into a wolf. So his own shepherds now chase him and his own dogs snap at his chins, end quote. Nice. That was, <laughs> that was some good drama. It was some good drama. It's like, keep me up with the Kardashians, Sumerian, <laughs> period. <laughs> So one of the first known tales of a werewolf or a man transforming into a wolf that we know of from written language dates back to 2100 BCE. The werewolf tales seem to have stemmed from the Middle East and traveled to Greece as well. And then we have people, you know, like Ovid and Ovid depicts Zeus visiting Arcadia in human form. He dines with the king of Lycaon. The king really doubts his visitor is actually Zeus, and he tries to test his divinity by serving him a dinner of human flesh. This is a really, really famous Greek tale. Zeus, of course, saw through the king and, you know, was not too happy with the king, <laughs> as, you know, one, one would be unhappy about that, I would think. <laughs> so Zeus punished Lycaon by transforming him into a wolf. And similar to all of these tales in Africa, there are men who transform into lions or even hyenas, known as like were hyenas or were lions, which is kind of cool. It's really I think. cool. Yeah, I think I'd rather be a were lion, honestly. Hyenas definitely freak me out. Hyenas are scary. The Lion King ruined them for me. I feel like they're really often depicted in modern culture as like these conniving little like little laughing monsters, demons. But I don't know. Anyways, I watched an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer Buffy. where this whole group of popular kids and then Xander gets like turned into hyenas. What? Or, like not turned into, but like adopt the psyche of hyenas. This. And it's, it's really a- weird. And like they corner this pig that's their school's mascot and they end up eating all of it. <laughs> And, like, it's just very weird and disturbing. And I was like, all right, we're hyenas. Um, Well, then. Not okay. Yeah, something. (laughs) So despite this really extensive history of folklore, mythology, and religion from virtually all over the world, there are still plenty of scientific explanations for these sightings of this cryptozoological phenomenon. One of the best alternatives for explaining away this creature is that it's just a bear with mange. And we're both going to be honest here. When we first heard this, we thought that was absurd. Yeah. We were like, what? This, how? But then we looked at pictures of bears with mange, and they are terrifying. They are. They are so they scary looking. They look like some type of weird what? hyena wolf. Like, if you've seen Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, they literally look like Lupin. Remus Lupin when he turns into a werewolf. Yeah, like, exactly. It, yeah. Very, very scary. I completely can see why that's a theory. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing that Ara and I have discussed is that when bears are injured or very, very motivated, they actually can walk on their back legs instead of all fours. Mm -hmm. Usually they can only do that for like a really short period of time. But I remember seeing one time a video of a bear that had its front paws badly injured and it Mm -hmm. could no longer put its weight on them. And so it had adapted from a young age to walk on just its two back legs. Yeah. And it looks so strange. It looks really goofy. It looked really scary. It was very comical. Like it almost kind of. I'm sure it's comical because you know what it is. Yeah. And like you're not in that situation. Yeah. If you were there. Exactly. It was very, very funny. And they also train bears to walk on their hind legs, unfortunately, in circuses as well. Obviously, that's like a very abusive thing that they shouldn't be doing. But yeah. So it's not unheard of. Yeah. I mean, we could definitely see that this creature people are seeing is actually just a really sick bear. Mm -hmm. Because animals that have mange are, they're really sick. They're suffering. Yeah. And so obviously, they're going to have some really strange behavior. They're obviously going to look really weird so i can totally see it being like a mangy bear that you know is just kind of caught off guard and is maybe doing something a little weird because of how sick it is or you know it's standing up on its hind legs to reach something Mm -hmm. or i think even if it wasn't standing on its hind legs but it had mange i can totally still see people thinking like what is that thing same Especially because we're so used to seeing bears covered in fur. So yeah. So like, we don't actually know anatomically or like see anatomically yeah. how they move or like that kind of thing. So if you see a mangy bear running and stuff, it looks a lot creepier than like a bear with all its fur on. Yeah. Because you can just see the muscles bunching and coiling mm-hmm. and again, a lot like Lupin. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really and truly, like, you guys, seriously, we can probably post some on Instagram, but... We will, yeah. Seriously, look up mangy bears in pictures. It's... Like, maybe don't if you are, like, disturbed by sad, sick animals, but Mm -hmm. if you really want to know what we're talking about, look it up, and you will know what I mean, especially with the looping comparison. Yeah. And another alternative explanation is that the Beast of Bray Road is actually a Bigfoot. But I'm less convinced of this, just because I just feel like there's a big difference structurally and, like, feature-wise regarding a wolfman versus, like, a Bigfoot. Yeah. Then again, as we just discussed, a lot of these glimpses of this creature has been late at night or early in the morning. It's dark. It hasn't really been a prolonged sighting. So it's like, it may be and just a kind of weird glimpse of it. You just automatically am like, oh, it's a werewolf. It's not a big fight. But kind of in relation to this, a lot of the places that we're discussing, Michigan and Wisconsin in particular... They have wolves relatively nearby, but not necessarily in that specific area. So it's really plausible that a wolf strayed a bit farther than normal and people Mm -hmm. saw this and kind of ran with the idea of it or over-exaggerated parts of it in the heat of the moment or, you know, had heard of the folklore and latched onto it. I think sometimes this is a thing, and I know I did not realize this myself until I saw wolves up close, but where we live... We only have coyotes. And then in one very small place in North Carolina, there are red wolves. And red wolves are, like, critically endangered. Mm -hmm. They are truly, like, on the verge of extinction. There have been tons of efforts to try to rebuild this population, but it's unfortunately not been very successful. Mm -hmm. It's a really sad situation. But anyway, the point is that I've seen red wolves in, like, zoos and stuff before, and they resemble like part of the reason that they are so close to being extinct is because they resemble coyotes Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times even though they are protected people will shoot them thinking that they're coyotes because coyotes are like overrun (laughs) they're they're everywhere 
But yeah, so I'm going to mention again my short time spent living in Montana. I think I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast so far. <laughs> but when I lived in Montana, at one point we went to a, it was like a bear and wolf habitat. It was kind of a zoo. And we saw wolves like pretty, pretty up close, you know, and I at this point had never seen like gray wolves or like timber wolves or any sort of the type of wolves that you see in like movies, you know, like yeah. uh, chasing after Belle and Beauty and the Beast, like that mm-hmm. type of wolf I'd never seen before. that's just not in our area. It's just it's so not, far away from yeah. us. Yeah. We're just way too far south for them. And they are huge. They're big. They're beautiful, but they're enormous. Mm-hmm. You know, just imagine like a husky or like a sled dog, but grow it like twice as big. Yeah. They're just, they're so big, y'all. And it's like, think about dire wolves. Like, yeah. How big they must have been if their ancestors that are alive today are yeah. that big. Like yeah. how big dire wolves like, must have been. It's just insane. But yeah, and I mean, when I say that, I don't mean that they're like a monster. Don't get me yeah. wrong. They're just big. And they're kind of bigger than I think people realize they are because we're so used to seeing dogs and stuff. And so you do expect them to be like the size of a husky or mm-hmm. something. And they're not. They're much bigger than that. And if you live in a place where wolves maybe live, you know, an hour north of you, but not where you are, it is completely plausible that wolves might start migrating down into your area. Or that one or two might occasionally kind of get lost and end up in your area. And if you see it, you're going to be like really taken off guard. In fact, in North Carolina, where we live, bears live a couple hours north of us, right? Like I swear every year there's a bear that will like come down, like it'll follow the river downstream, you know, and it'll end up in our area. And so for like a week, you'll see it on the news where everybody is like, I saw the bear. (laughs) It was on this road. (laughs) But yeah, so I guess the point here is just that even with animals that we understand what they look like, we generally speaking think that we recognize them in the wild. When you actually see them in the wild, I think it's completely possible to just be completely taken off guard because you're not expecting to see them Mm -hmm. because they don't actually live really close to you. I also think that even in areas where there are tons of bears and tons of wolves, it still is possible that you may not ever have actually seen one in your area. I mean, coyotes live here. I've never seen a coyote in the wild before, Mm -hmm. ever, ever. Yep. So if I saw one in the wild, I think I would probably know it was a coyote, but it would probably take me a minute or two of looking at it to be like, oh my gosh, that's a coyote. That's not a dog. That's a coyote. especially at night when things aren't necessarily visible. Mm-hmm. And like you hear stuff rustling and you're like, yeah, you're, kind you're of already kind alert. of spooked. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I can definitely see it happening. Yep. So regardless, the tale of the Beast of Bray Road, the Michigan Dogman, werewolves, werehyenas, all of these wolf and dogmen, they'll continue to thrive. You know, our modern culture really carries on the ancient and universal ideas of things like werewolves. We have them in films and books and everything in between mm-hmm. from like Lupin that we've already mentioned in Harry Potter to, you know, TV shows like Teen Wolf to like Twilight and, you know, lots of horror movies. We will continue to warp and twist and sexualize <laughs> this mythical creature. Looking at you like Twilight, really. I mean, I'm not sure why rippling abs <laughs> and shaggy hair and like surprisingly hairless bodies for werewolves. Yeah, I know. Um, are the basis for werewolves in our culture. Yeah. But- Go off, I guess. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Seems seems normal to me. Monster lovers yeah. are going to come out in droves for this episode. <laughs> for real. <sighs> Anyways, as we've kind of discussed, werewolves have been a part of our culture for practically forever, and they will continue to be part of mm-hmm. our culture, be it sexy werewolves or yeah, scary you know, werewolves. terrifying. Or both. There's exactly. probably some both in there. There's probably both. And then 
we don't really know why we have this fascination with werewolves mm-hmm. in particular, but yeah. it's definitely interesting to me that it's almost a, a universal fascination mm-hmm. and that it's continued for so long. Yeah. I feel like some of that is simply just because wolves in themselves, like, they're one of the few animals that exist on every continent. Mm -hmm. So in some form, you know, you have some kind of, like, wild dog type, you know, everywhere. So And when we were researching this episode, I kind of had an existential crisis (laughs) because I did not realize how old the origins of wolves were. I don't know why, but because I was very surprised. I was like, wait, they had wolves as far back as in Sumer in the fact that like in the t- <laughs> we had already domesticated dogs by that point exactly like in the yep. epic of Gilgamesh I was just so surprised and also like the location of it like in the Middle East I would mm-hmm. not expect yeah for there to be I mean of course not wolves like gray wolves or like you know American different kind of wolves different very different kind of, of animal but but it's worth checking out guys definitely look up wolves they're really cool they're animals. just cool cool guys regardless of cool whether dudes. they turn into human or not but they're very resilient I just want to say this because I have strong opinions on this. So like I said, I lived in Montana for a short time. And while I was there, I lived probably like 40 minutes or so from Yellowstone. Like I was in that scary zone where like if the Yellowstone super volcano erupts, I die. Like that's how close I was. And (laughs) I like to live on the edge. But anyway, because of that, there were wolves in our area. Because if you don't know, the wolves in Yellowstone went extinct due to humans, a long time ago. And then in the 1990s, they created a program to bring them back. And they reintroduced a pack of wolves into the Yellowstone ecosystem, and they've been thriving ever since. The whole ecosystem has gotten so much healthier since they reintroduced a real predator to Mm -hmm. the ecosystem because, you know, there is like a balance that nature needs in that way. Anyway, I feel really strongly about the wolves of Yellowstone. I just think they're really cool. Their story is really cool. And... It makes me so angry because every single time, like, I follow the Yellowstone, like, Facebook page, and whenever they post about wolves, particularly incidents where people have killed wolves, which is very, very, very illegal, whenever they post about that, inevitably all of the comments are people saying a lot of, like, misinformation about how the wolves are vicious and scary and, like, dangerous and how they're destroying, like, the elk population and all this kind of stuff. And it's just really evident that some of them are probably people who their lives have been negatively impacted by the reintroduction of wolves because Mm -hmm. they're probably like farmers, ranchers, you know, who are like losing livestock occasionally and things like that. And so, you know, I kind of understand their point of view, I guess. But it's also really clear that some of them are people who are like hunters and they're just mad that it might be a little bit harder to shoot an elk. And the thing that's so dumb is that there are elk everywhere, everywhere. We would be driving and just, like, there's a herd of elk on the side of the mm-hmm. road. That says more about your capability of hunting than it does yeah. about <laughs> It used to wolves. make me so angry, and I mean, it still does. I try not to read the comments anymore just because I know I'll get really mad. They're decimating the elk population. Um, no, they're no, calling sir. it as is necessary yeah. in a normal food cycle for yes. animals. And in fact, You're it's... the ones decimating it. It's really hunting. bad for animals to be overpopulated because mm-hmm. when that happens they their their like population becomes unhealthy mm-hmm. so they're, like i said like there's a balance biologists and animal experts know what they're talking about i know shocking i just i don't know i don't i don't believe that it's shocking oh my gosh like who would have <laughs> thunk if you are really interested in wolves please look up the yellowstone wolves if you haven't already they are just it's just such a cool story and the way that they study them 
is really, really cool. When we were in Yellowstone, sadly, we only got to see a wolf from really, really far away because first of all, it was winter, but also because wolves are actually not super aggressive. They're actually really shy and scared of people mm-hmm. with good reason. Yeah. And because we have hurt them a lot over the years. And it's very, very unusual for wolves to attack people these days. It definitely happened in the past, like a hundred years ago and stuff, because there would be like famines and like food issues and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But these days it's not really as much of a thing. And so it's very rare for wolves to attack people. I mean, and even back then, wolves would only attack people for food. Yeah. Or if they felt threatened, like they're young or something like that. I also think, you know, if you are in an area with wolves, if you're in an area with bears, with cougars, with literally any kind of predator or animal that could hurt you, just remember when you go into the woods, you're in their house. It's literally the same if somebody broke into your house, you know, and just started walking around and you punched them. Like, it's the same thing. Exactly. (laughs) You know, like they came into your house. They were a jerk. Mm -hmm. So, you know, respect the wildlife. You know, hiking or camping Mm -hmm. or I really do recommend looking up. Not only, like, how to identify animal tracks, but also how to identify signs of habitation and Mm -hmm. habitats in certain areas. Because you could tread into, like, a mountain lion area or, you know, a bear's den or something like that. And if you don't know the signs, then, you know, Mm -hmm. you're kind of, you're screwed. So just knowing those type of things before you proceed out in nature anyways, I think is always a good idea. Yeah, for sure. Just, you know, respect the wolves. Respect nature. Respect bears. Mm-hmm. We were not the first creature on this earth, and we will not be the last. Nope. We might kill it, though. Yeah. We Even probably sadder. already did. Probably. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. This has been your Wicked Weird Wednesday. You guys can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. as you know, because <laughs> you're listening. You can follow us on all social medias. We have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. If you want to follow us on Instagram or Facebook, we're at Wicked Weird and Grim. On Twitter, we're just at Wicked Weird Grim. And of course, you can sponsor us on Patreon. We would Please love do. that. We are going to have some new content and some awesome goodies come out for spooky season. Again, if you want to drop us voice messages on Anchor to let us know what you guys think we should do for our Halloween episode, that would be great. Yes. And we specifically planned the first episode of our podcast and all the episodes since so that our 13th episode would be our Halloween episode. So Mm -hmm. you guys should appreciate this a lot. For sure. Yes. We (laughs) We worked so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to us on Spotify, on Apple apple please leave us a review Mm -hmm. a five-star review we would love to have that we would love to hear from you you can leave us the voicemails on anchor Mm -hmm. um again we would love to hear from you we'd love to hear your beautiful voice sing us a song (laughs) sing us some fan movie opera yeah (laughs) which is what we were doing before we started recording because we are who we are (laughs) (laughs) but yeah thank you guys for listening And we will see you next Wicked Weird Wednesday with the Grimm Sisters. Bye. Bye. We both waved. We waved. (laughs) Mom, can you come pick me up? I'm scared. (laughs) That's just me every day of my life. Me every time we record something. (laughs) Bear. (laughs) Okay. That was that was a scary voice on my part. Okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I am possessed. Okay. <laughs> I'm possessed by a were hyena. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, wait, so wait, wait, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> On all levels except physical, I am a wolf. <laughs> That's all I could think of this entire time. <laughs> okay, what if you were being possessed by like a spirit, not a demon, mm-hmm. and the spirit was a werewolf in their actual life? So then would you take on wolf characteristics because you were being possessed by a person who was a werewolf? Hmm. This is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's what actual like clinical lycanthropy is. People are possessed <gasps> by That would be really spirits. cool. Yeah. We should make a movie. Yeah. Well, it also explained the fact that they can't actually shift or manifest yeah, any attributes. But they're, like, but completely convinced. Yeah. Clinical lycanthropy is really interesting. It is. It's so rare. Yeah. But when it like, does manifest, it's so disturbingly convincing. Yeah. They're like, I am a wolf. <laughs> I'm like, yep. we watched a bit too much Twilight in our heyday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was um, watching a TikTok yesterday, and they were talking about how apparently... When Stephanie Meyer published Twilight, it was originally, like, she had a three-book deal, basically, and they Mm -hmm. didn't know if she was going to be able to publish a fourth one. So she had to figure out an alternate ending for Eclipse in case she didn't get that fourth book. Yeah. And her alternate ending was basically where all the werewolves figure out some kind of, like, thing where they can connect to, like, the spirit world and leave their bodies to go, like, fight or whatever. And so then at the end, it was supposed to be that Jacob figures that out, and then so does Edward. And so they're both, like, out of their bodies. But whenever they try to come back to their bodies, they end up in each other's bodies. And so then Bella, she lives with Edward in Jacob's body as a human for the rest of her life. All right. I'm on, like, Twilight Slander TikTok. I'm on, oh, yeah. I'm on regular Twilight TikTok, but I'm also on <laughs> Twilight Slander TikTok. I like Twilight Slander because I'm, I'm not really a fan. Like, the amount of things that had to go right for Stephanie Meyer to be able to publish her books was insane. Yeah. Like, she, she literally never wrote a book before. She never wrote a book before. She never tried to she write a book before. She wrote the book and got it published and got a three-book mm-hmm. deal in the span of a couple of months. And that's just absolutely insane. Yeah. She did not edit her drafts. No. She didn't have a professional editor look at her drafts. And like, it was so quick, you guys. It was so weird. I saw the I same was like, like, I was TikTok. literally like, did Stephanie Meyer sell her soul to the devil to get this book deal? I know. Like, but she's is... a Mormon. <laughs> well, the amount of stuff that had to go right for her to get this famous and get this deal, it's like almost statistically improbable. Yes. So that's why I'm like, she definitely sold her soul to Satan. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just insane. But I don't know. Apparently, mm. Bella was originally supposed to end up with Jacob. I heard that too. I don't know if it was because maybe of the it was because thing, of that. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's totally physical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we see you, Bella. We see you. <laughs> a mangy bear. It just sounds funny. A mangy bear. A mangy bear. A mangy bear. Oh, our song for this episode should be like, um, "If you go out in the woods today, you're so yes! a surprise. If you do, go do, out do, in the woods do, today, do, you better be do, do, in disguise." Sunday, 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 Sunday. I really like the that song. The teddy bears have their pick. Nick. Okay. Sorry. Okay. We'll have to look it up when we're done. <laughs> we should. Yes, the teddy bear song. Okay. And another alternative explanation is that the Beast of Bray Road is actually a book 
uh, a bug foot. A bug foot. A bug. A boogeyman. Aww. <laughs>